Hi, friends. Welcome to Pockets Full Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. We've been gone a while. Uh, for those of you that aren't aware, it's been a, a rough couple of months. <laughs> I, uh, I had a uh, breakthrough infection of COVID-19, uh, despite uh, being double vaccinated. Uh, and uh, that took a long time to recover for, from. And then uh, almost immediately after that, I uh, fell and broke my butt bone, which has thrown life off a little bit. So we've been a little delayed in getting the new episodes up. Uh, we're back. Thank you for your patience. I deeply appreciate it. I'm joined here tonight by a, a guest uh, with, with a story I can't wait to hear, and I can't wait for you to hear. Uh, you may know our guest from the Top 100 Games podcast. She's been a guest there. Uh, she's a uh, she's an artist. She's a designer. She's a human being extraordinaire, and she's going to tell you more about all of that. Who are you, friend? Oh, hi. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mel. I'm Mel Ramson, um, and it's so lovely to be here, uh, Jared. I'm so I'm so glad that you're feeling better. I'm so sorry to hear about uh, your COVID outbreak and breaking your butt. That is. That's deeply sad. I'm very glad that you're feeling better. Well, thank you. I, I wasn't so much doing it to explain. I just felt I owed the audience some explanation for why I just sort of vanished for two months. But oh, one happened course. immediately after the other. And I, uh, I'm still getting my strength back. Uh, I'm kind of rehabbing mm -hmm. now. And uh, it, I'm able to sit now. So that's very exciting. Uh, yes. Uh, not being able to sit is inconvenient. Have you ever broken your <laughs> butt, Mel? I'm not. I've, uh, I've fortunately avoided that in my life so far. And I'm I would imagine it would cause some wrinkles for day-to-day -day activities. It does indeed throw some things off. Mel, you're here tonight to, to tell us all, all about just an amazing artistic experience slash life experience. But before we get there, I do have to ask a couple of things. First, can you let people know who you are, what you do, uh, how you know how we know each other, all that kind of thing? Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm uh, I'm a game designer, a, a technical game designer at Flight School Studio. Um, and we recently shipped our, our well, the studio's second game and my, or uh, the Montreal team's second game and my first game with them, uh, Stonefly. Uh, and it's uh, you know just a, been a delightful experience working with the team. Um, I come from uh, a smallish town in, in BC called Chilliwack. Uh, and I like dreamed of being, being an artist and I went to school for game design and found my passion there. So it's been a long journey of working both in AAA and indie. Uh, and I, uh, and yeah, I, I, I met Jared here through uh, a mutual friend uh, slash my partner, Mitch, uh, who's a good friend of, of Jared's. And uh, I had the, the delightful opportunity to meet him like over his shoulder while he was recording a different episode of the Top 100 Games podcast. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it was just lovely to connect. So, and I feel since, since then we've been able to find like lots of similar things, similar interest things to, to chat about. And I just, yeah, we become so long distance friends. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. Someday when this terrible plague is over, we will be in the same room and it will be very yes. nice. Ah, I would love that. Pen pals come together in real life. <laughs> well, you, uh, you've been a guest yourself on, on Top 100 and, and uh, told yes. us about a game you loved. Um, and also, but before we go on, I do want to just for a second here, want to uh, represent for Stonefly. Really good game, y'all. Play it. Uh, oh. you're, you're a tiny little mech jumping around leaves. The, the combat mechanics are delightful. The art's delightful. The level design's delightful. The exploration is delightful. It feels so good. I love that game. Um, ah, thank you. <laughs> please play Stonefly because uh, it's real good. And uh, yeah, and you for people that don't know, you describe yourself, I believe, as a technical designer. Was that the term you used? Yes. Um, yeah. So for, can you let people know how that, what that is in, in a video game? Totally, yeah. I mean, I'll try my best. Um, is that uh, it's uh, like like many positions in the games industry, it can kind of vary. 
uh, depending on what studio you're at. So where I'm at currently, it's kind of uh, like sort of smaller team or an indie team. So I kind of wear a couple hats. So I do like a bit of stuff that would be considered more game design or systems design um, mixed in with some stuff that's maybe a little bit more technical design from my experience at other studios, which is uh, a little bit heavier into things like visual scripting or even um, handling like some shader work uh, and stuff like that. Like my, uh, my, the learning curve has been pretty steep for like jumping from uh, proprietary engine to Unreal, but Unreal also has super good resources for that. And I have a lot of support on my team for it. So I've been endeavoring to learn more C++ because it, it helps with things like visual scripting in Unreal specifically, because it's based on C++. Um, for the, for the blueprint aspect of it. So mm -hmm. it's a lot of uh, background, like behind the scenes building to like go through the steps of like, okay, if we wanna have like a, a door that opens when you step on a pressure plate, like how that actually gets built is kind of where I come in for that of like, how, uh, how uh, fast should it open when you step on the plate or how to detect if the player is on the plate or if you need a key to get on the plate, things like that. like the design elements kind of cross over with the technical elements. Um, oh, freaking rad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an excellent explanation. Thank you. And finally, oh, <laughs> I have to ask, because I've seen you there in the apartment a few times, but you have a lot of plants behind you now that were not there before. <laughs> yeah. What is what is the new invasion of the plants? It's uh, It's been a, oh boy, like this has been a, a goal for several years because until this past year i haven't lived in an apartment with enough light in it to actually have house plants um so i got a bunch of plants that are all like pet safe if the cats tend to chew on them then it's they're not going to get hurt <laughs> uh and i have uh they've gotten quite a bit bigger and they've, they've slowly been like becoming more lush and the goal is eventually to get like a forest in here like i'm starting to run out of space on my plant shelf i have a little one up here that's like starting to take over my 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 shelf area up here <laughs> and then one over here you can kind of see behind the lava lamp you. yeah you're being flanked <laughs> i okay, am being they're, flanked they're by plants. surrounding you <laughs> so if they've got you surrounded at this point i mean it's it, it you just plant some kudzu in there and, yeah. and you'll be covered in vines in a few months it'd exactly. be like that stephen king skips getting creep show where he's just gradually covered in moss more and more what's your favorite plant do you have a new one uh something something special well i have uh, i have my uh Monstera here, which is a baby Monstera, and this was a gift from my very good friend Jen. Um, and uh, he's he's got like a big personality. Like if I, I I rotate him around because if I don't do that, he'll lean so far into the sunlight that it starts to get lopsided out of the pot. So I have oh. to rotate him around, and then it'll just like oh, turn the leaves and start turning around <laughs> over wow. the course of a couple of days. It's oh, it's really cute. <laughs> I didn't know they did that. That's fantastic. Oh, you should set a time-lapse camera up sometime to Ooh, watch. That would be cute. Yeah. I think i to see that happen. And that's amazing. Well, Mel, you're here to tell us a story tonight. Um, we, uh, Poxville Soup is a storytelling show. And uh, we'd often talk about things we're thankful for. Tonight, we're talking about something that's deeply affected your art and uh, something that's affected your art most of your life that from what you've told me, you weren't aware of for a long yeah. time. <laughs> so I, this is the part where I'm just going to start asking some questions. Um, yeah. I learned about this when we were talking on a podcast before, or actually after a podcast before. And I thought it would be a great story to tell uh, to our audience here. Maybe even some folks here have had a similar experience and maybe not even known it. So yeah. let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, this 
aspect of you that informs your art. Uh, can you start by by describing what it's called and and what it is and what it's like, and then we'll talk about how that's affected you as an artist. Totally, yeah. So I, um, in the last couple of years, I was uh, I kind of come to learn that I have the something called synesthesia, which is uh, a somewhat uncommon kind of neurological thing where basically your brain receives information like sound and then gives you additional information that might not necessarily be uh, like the just the sound itself. So like when I hear somebody's voice, for example, I also will feel a texture sometimes and sometimes I'll get like a, a, a vision of a color. Um, and that's been present for my entire life. Uh, and I didn't really know how to describe it before, but it's, it's basically just, yeah, like misinformation coming from my brain of like, oh, here's a sound and here's some additional things that you didn't ask for. <laughs> um, when you say, is it, is it misinformation or is it the way you're interpreting the information that's coming in? Is it? I would say it's more of a, an interpretation. Yeah. Like it's, okay. uh, it's not necessarily um, uh, like wrong at all or anything like that. It's just uh, like people, from what I understand, like hearing a sound doesn't always necessarily mean a certain color, whereas for me it does. And it's the same for uh, like seeing letters and numbers, like every letter and number has a color that is just that way. And when I see like letters that are like color coded in a way that isn't what my brain has told me it already is, I'm like, wait, that's wrong. <laughs> Even so it's not. Now, obviously we're, we're talking, you know, this is one of those, those paradoxes of, of mm -hmm. neurology where, um, Forget laying synthesis aside for just a second. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there's the old paradox uh, of the question of whether or not any of us see the world the same way. Yeah, there's literally no way for you, I, or any other person to tell whether I see the color purple the same way you see the color purple. Yeah, right. Like uh, those of you listening to this podcast, of course, you know what purple is, right? But oh, there's yeah, no yeah. way. There's no way to know whether you and I see purple the same way yeah. or anyone else because where you would all point and say that's purple consistently with purple every time. Mm -hmm. Now, by that same extrapolation, because I don't experience what you do, um, the idea that you look at letters, are, are you saying that when you're reading or you see letters, each letter has a distinct color that's consistent with that letter? Yeah. Like, for example, and, and uh, I want to also just do a little disclaimer of that my experience with synesthesia could be different from somebody else who also has it. Um, mm -hmm. I actually had a fun conversation with a, uh, my tattoo artist who's working on my Ganon piece, um, who uh, she also has it. And she described it as like, she gets less color and more texture. And I tend to get more color and less texture. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but we both have similar experiences in that, like uh, the letter A for, my, for me, for example, has always been red and it always will be. <laughs> um, oh. Or like the, the number seven is blue and sometimes like uh, I'll associate colors with cities. So like Toronto is blue, Montreal is red, Vancouver is like a lighter version of the Toronto blue, San Francisco is salmon colored. Like I, <laughs> I don't have a, a, a logical way to describe why it just is. <laughs> well, I mean, I, all, the way we perceive the world isn't especially logical anyway, right? Uh, yeah, uh, true. I mean, no matter what's happening, we're taking information and processing it somehow, but it's, it's just the way each of us clicks it. And this is fascinating for me. I, I don't want to overemphasize this, but does that mean that when you look at a written page of text that it's full of color? Uh, sometimes. Like if I... Wow. 
basically uh, because it's not a necessarily a physical manifestation. It's usually my mind's eye. So mm -hmm. if I glance at a page, I'll just see like the black and white letters. Not, yeah, normal. And then when I picture it in my mind's eye, if I'm trying to remember like a like this was a big thing. Uh, I struggled a lot with in school where like I would have a hard time memorizing text uh, from textbooks because I would read it understand it and then when I try to summon the information in my mind like picture it in my mind's eyes it was just a wash of colors and it would wow. it would get really distracting so what I would do is I would write my essays in different colored pens like gel pens because then I could remember the chunk purple is like okay purple is this period of history for this particular figure that I need to talk about and like it would help correlate it a little bit which I, from my understanding can also be a helpful thing for ADHD symptoms as well that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. What, <laughs> if you don't mind me, and again, I, I hope these aren't too technical or, and if you can't, but if you take your mind's eye right now mm -hmm. and take your name, Mel, mm -hmm. what do you see? Uh, it's a uh, red, blue, brown, <laughs> red, blue, brown. Yeah. And e is blue. Brown. L is brown. M is red. <laughs> okay. So that's Mel. Really, really cool. So you're red, blue, brown. Cool. Yeah. I, Thank uh, you. Oh yeah, of course. Actually, um, I have. Uh, if I don't, if I could uh, uh, interject real quick, I prepared a small thing for this podcast episode, uh, which I will DM you on Twitter. Um, but I wanted to make a little painting of what your voice looks like. <laughs> oh no! And I wanted to send it to you so you can have that. Um, oh, because it it helped. It helped. I'm sorry. I don't want to overwhelm oh, you. I just, I'm crying. <laughs> no. Oh no. I'm sorry, Jared. <laughs> No, that's so lovely. Oh, I just saw oh it. After I found it. I find it a lot easier to try and describe how it looks now that I've kind of learned some tools to help me express it. Um, and painting is something I do for fun. I enjoy it very much. So I, I create. I did a combination of like buying a bunch of brushes on my like iPad uh, Procreate uh, drawing system, and I made a bunch of custom brushes to try and emulate the texture. I wish I could animate. If I could animate, I'd be able to express it a lot better because the colors shift uh, and change when it's in motion. Okay. Exactly. It's very emotion, very much emotion thing. So like when your voice, uh, like when you laugh, it's more, it's more green. And then when you're, mm. when you're talking more like at a neutral level, it's very, very deep purple, but most of the time it's like kind of a blend of the two kind of going together. <laughs> okay. I, you really got me like, that's one of the nicest things anyone's ever surprised me with i'm not oh. <laughs> i'm not exaggerating that's incredible thank you for making me a painting of my voice oh, you're that's, welcome. Uh, i'll treasure that for the rest of my life oh, oh. did it just did it just come in here i oh, did i God. sent it to you. <gasps> it's me it's you <laughs> that's what my voice looks like it does i i i tried to capture like and i don't have the quite the right brushes i might send you a revised revamped version someday when i have better knowledge of digital tools but like you have a really chalky texture like it's very uh like kind of fluffy and powdery almost like it's uh yeah <laughs> i love that like sidewalk sidewalk chalk like yeah like like big like pieces of chalk almost but softer oh like Aww. so that's where the, the fluidity would come in kind of <laughs> okay so y'all can't see this but i'm, I'm gonna post it I'll post it on the Patreon. I'll post it on Twitter. I'll post it a few places so people yeah. listening can look at it. So yeah. if you want to, yeah, it'll be at patreon.com slash Jared Petty. It'll be on my Twitter, Petty comma Jared. Um, I'll put this up so y'all can see it. Thank you, Mel. Um, oh, wow. So I'm derailed by that kindness. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, it's great. Don't apologize for doing something wonderful. 
you're an artist and you wanted to be an artist your whole life. Is that a new thing, an old thing? What was the plan? Uh, the, well, the plan kind of changed a couple of times. The first right. and like most like hardcore plan when I, my earliest memories are I'm going to be a paleontologist and I'm going to find the dinosaurs because I fucking love dinosaurs. <laughs> but as I've, uh, yes, as I've, as I've probably mentioned many times before, <laughs> uh, but eventually like when I started uh, like in, uh, in grade school and, and that age, I was like, oh, I don't really I have no idea how to become a paleontologist, but I do love drawing dinosaurs. So I just kept drawing dinosaurs. And then I kept drawing comics of all of my pets and their shenanigans. So we had a couple cats and dog growing up. So I would draw pictures of them. Um, and then I was started like wanting to become more, maybe a cartoonist. Maybe I want to be like a comic artist. Maybe I want to work for DC and Marvel, make comic books. Like that would be fun. Um, and then I, you know, I kept pushing. And then in high school, I was like, okay, like maybe I'll just do like, I'll branch out and do traditional art. I'll start to learn to paint. And I learned how to paint. Uh, and I did all of this kind of self-taught because I was homeschooled. So I had all the time in the world to okay. <laughs> hang out at home and practice. Um, and then, uh, you know, during this time, my love of uh, my love of video games also developing. So my, uh, it was my sister actually that was like, well, maybe you could do art for video games. Like, you know, maybe Ooh. put the two together. Uh, and I loved that idea. So I took out a loan and I went to college and learned that I am so bad at 3D art. I, <laughs> I almost failed out of that course. I could not do it. Um, and so I started to make the switch and it started to click in my brain of like, oh, like the, my brain's kind of like, you know, they say that you're left-sided or right-sided of the brain. I'm kind of in the middle where like the things like math and things like uh, physics and, you know, chemistry, all the like left sciencey things, left, left associated mechanical things yeah. are hugely of interest to me. And game design is kind of a mixture of the creative elements and the more technical elements. So I'm super happy with my career choice, but it also meant that I had a, a real, a real awakening in my early twenties of like, oh my God, I'm not going to be an artist. Not for real, not for real, for real, the way I thought I was going to be. <laughs> And, uh, and I, I made the switch to like, oh, I'm, I'm going to start doing paintings just for me. Okay. But I didn't get to that point until like, oh, I don't know, maybe I was 25 where I was like starting wow. to heal from some of the, the wounded pride of going to school for art and then almost failing art. <laughs> well, it, it, but you were, the art you were doing, I mean, that was three, that was, that was industrial art, right? That was Super art for games and, yeah. and 2D art's a vastly different thing. Very, um, very different. <laughs> um, so, and, and for a different purpose, it, but arts, now, is art a joy now? Is, oh, are you yeah. to the point that you love doing that? I, I have so much fun now because I, I, I really got stuck in the mentality that I was bad at art because I had failed a college class. So I've okay. been told by a professional my art was bad. So I was like, yeah. oh, I'm bad. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, it took a, a bit of growing, a bit of maturing for me to get to the point where I can realize that, A, I don't necessarily have to monetize all my hobbies, which is a yeah. thing that I can get lost in sometimes. Um and I, I don't. <laughs> don't I know that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard not to. <laughs> but we're on that. Patreon.com. No, I... <laughs> no, for real though. Like it's, uh, yeah. it, it was, it was hard. And, and then I realized also that like, just because my art wasn't technically impressive or yeah. professionally trained or traditionally trained, like I don't have the knowledge of going to art school for learning to paint. I don't have the, the technical uh, inclination to be good at 3D art. It also just, oh. I don't know how to describe it, but the way my brain works, 3D art is like, there's like a two platforms with no bridge between them. <laughs> I have like 
I like I can picture it maybe, but I cannot bridge that gap even with now with like my more technical skills growing. Oh, I, oh I, yeah. Okay. I now here happen. I can sit with this. The part of my brain that 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 does visual art in general. Mm-hmm. I love visual art. I spent my morning in an art gallery again today. Oh. That's one of my favorite things to do in the world. And I love, it. I love visual art. Um I've played with it my whole life. The part, you know, have you ever accidentally left like an apple in a car for like a month? Like oh, yeah. fall under a seat or something? Yeah. It, the part of my brain that does visual art looks like that apple does after a month. Like that <laughs> oh, shriveled, no. dry, husky thing. That's that's that part. I that that unfortunately doesn't work for me so well. I'm very jealous of artists. I'm very jealous of you, both both the art you do in, in design, but also the things that you create. I, I think it's fantastic. So you, your whole life, have been seeing sounds and yeah. feeling sounds. And you just kind of thought that's what it was like for people, right? Yeah, 100%. I just thought that, yeah, everybody has a, a color they associate with the letters and the numbers and places and people and you know, you know, sound noodles, which is what I used to say, which is like when I hear certain sounds, sometimes they, I can see like this, the, the shape of them take form in my, in my mind. So I'm like, oh yeah, violins, violin sounds, fiddles, like those are just yellow strings that float around in in my head. (laughs) And, and for a lot of people, sound noodles are a part of life. Um, (laughs) but not for as many people as you thought it turns out. Exactly. (laughs) And then you became aware fairly late in life. You said only a couple of years ago. Yeah. um, That in fact, this isn't the way it is for a lot of folks, but it's the way it is for you. And yet you told me this has been influencing your art your whole life. Can you tell us some about that? Oh, sure. Like, uh, you know how uh, people will sometimes say like, oh, this is my focus jam, or this is the music I listen to and I need to focus. Um, or I like to paint and listen to music. <clears throat> and I always thought that that's what that meant. I always thought that that's what people meant. And some of them might have, and some of them might've been like, oh no, no, like I'm painting something separate that isn't the sounds, but I enjoy the sounds while I'm doing this thing because music is lovely. Um, and what I realized uh, is that my whole life, I make like abstract paintings is what I was told I made. Um, but really what I was doing was trying to create the sound on the canvas. So now I've gotten a little better at it. I can do people's voices, for example. Like I did my best to create your voice uh, for Mitch's birthday. I was making his uh, on a big, big canvas. Um, and oh, like try, so try to, yeah, like I try to try to make it, uh, visualize it so I can show people because I want to share it with people because I think it's fun and neat. Um, but music is is the key for this. This is This was the key that unlocked it for me because music is so so beautiful and i i cannot make music and a part of me wonders if it's because i get too distracted by the sounds and colors mm. when the when i'm trying to practice an instrument for example it's very distracting and sometimes distressing um the thing about synesthesia is sometimes it can be a little bit of a double-edged sword where sound and color mixing together in my mind can be quite beautiful and quite exciting and fun but it can also be overstimulating right so sometimes when i'm would hear uh, out of tune guitar or uh, uh, trying to like hit a drum beat, but at the wrong timing or something, it's like, it, it causes like a, sh- a fracture in the sound and then it gets distracting and kind of muddled in my head. I can't detect it anymore. And then I feel like, oh, I can't hear what it sounds like. 
because I'm too distracted. So I don't know if I'm off key or not. (laughs) I can't make music at all. Uh, But I'm so glad that other people can. (laughs) Well, I mean, very much like you were describing writing things in different colored ink. It seems you found ways to to cope or overcome some of these, but that, yes, I'll never know what that experience is like. Does it, when it comes to that, uh, what about, how how does it interact? How does the synesthesia interact with your neurodivergent characteristics you described earlier, ADHD Mm -hmm. and Tourette's? Um, Mm -hmm. Do those feed into each other in different ways or? Sometimes, yes. So I have, uh, my Tourette's are fairly mild in comparison to like, you know, more more severe cases because again a bit of a spectrum it was much more present when i was a kid uh and my symptoms have kind of ebbed and flowed over the years but largely what happens if i get overstimulated uh with sound or with uh colors that are like uh outside of my brain like colors on a screen for example like marvel movies so exciting absolutely love them i have to be careful how how many i watch in a row because uh I can start developing more severe tics, which are basically just like little body movements that I can't control. Um, and I try to suppress them because I don't like being looked at or people thinking there's something wrong with me. So then I, uh, or like that I'm not okay or something. So like, I am okay. I just, I just look like I've hurt my neck or something. (laughs) 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 So I like, you know, I'll suppress until the end of the day and then it all comes out, uh, Uh. when I'm like in private, (laughs) uh, synesthesia can sometimes overlap with that where, if I'm on like a, in a really crowded place, for example, and there's lots of voices talking. So like movie theaters, for example, before you go into the theater, there's lots of people buzzing around outside and then you go in the dark, quiet room and sit down and be stimulated with sound and colors for two hours and then come out. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like I am 10 times more exhausted than I ought to be. And I always just kind of attributed it to like, well, I'm introverted. Like, you know, movies can be exhausting for lots of people, but pinpointing the exact reasons why my symptoms would get worse after something like a, a an exhausting movie viewing meant that I could I could prepare for them a little better I could budget my time I could create a cool down space for myself afterwards that has immensely helped my enjoyment of things like that <laughs> oh I appreciate you sharing that I well let me ask you this Mel um and I, I hope this is a fair question because mm. you are who you are and and you've experienced life as you have uh, it seems that Synesthesia has deeply influenced your art and even your career development, the way you experience the world every second of every day in a, in a way I'll never understand that, but from outside seems beautiful. And, and it, I hope, but you've also described some really heavy stuff that comes with it, some, some difficulties it causes in your life and, and makes things uh, more difficult than it might otherwise be for you. Mm-hmm. There's almost, you know, when you talk about the positive parts of it, I feel almost a jealousy. Um, when you talk about the negative, not so much, is it something, is it even fair to ask if it's something you're grateful for that you're thankful for, or is it just who you are? I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm asking a good question. Oh, no, no. It's totally like, I, uh, I understand the curiosity because like, I, uh, I honestly just kind of, I just feel like it is what it is. And I think that Largely was why I didn't really talk about it very much because I just kind of accepted that it's just part of the package deal of my brain is just does things a little different. Mm-hmm. And that was something that like my my parents would say uh, when I was struggling with school uh, or studies because I didn't have an ADHD diagnosis yet, but it was pretty, I had some pretty obvious symptoms, <laughs> um, but we just, we, we couldn't afford to see a, a specialist. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of, a, you know, 
trying to talk through it and figure out what the best approach was. So things like that were just like, uh, the synesthesia was like a, a thing I could also have fun with of like, well, my brain's a little different. Sometimes it makes things hard, but sometimes I can actually, um, I can, I can just be with it by myself and it can be, it can be not so bad. And like, maybe I can, maybe I could enjoy some parts of it. And I didn't really allow that for myself until I started to mature a little bit emotionally and, and stop thinking of myself as something that was, uh, as someone that like, oh, I have things that, uh, that make me upset, that make, make things harder for me. And I started to feel a little bit more, I guess, complete. Um, Cause I was like, oh, it's just a part of me and I accept it. And maybe I, maybe it can be great. Maybe it can be beautiful. And those aren't things I really associated with myself until, you know, in my twenties. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's an extraordinary reminder, a lesson, not just reminder, a lesson on the things we learned about ourselves as we grow. I think there's this idea built into our cultures that, that self-understanding and self-definition are things that we define early, and then we're not going to be surprised later on. And then as we age, we're going, oh, holy crap, I, I barely know myself, and I'm changing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and, and we, we don't allow ourselves enough of that when we're younger. I, I'm much older than you, and and um, I'm still getting pummeled. And then I, like, you know, I sit with my 70-year-old father, who's, who's very sick, and- oh. And yet I see him recontextualizing the world around him still. And I'm like, oh my God, it never ends. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. I was just never going to have it figured out. Oh no. Nope. Uh, <laughs> That's the, the great, the great lie of like, oh, adults have it figured out. When I'm an adult, I'll have it figured out. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, just that. I know maybe Tom Hanks, who seems to understand. I don't know. He seems pretty cool. Yeah. This is pretty cool. But, uh, <laughs> Tom Hanks in the Simpsons movie standing there going, the US government's lost all its credibility. So they've hired me to borrow some of mine. Uh, that's a beautiful <laughs> moment. Um, that is a perfect joke. <laughs> it is. Uh, they brought the old writers back for the Simpsons movie. You can tell in a lot of spots. Mm -hmm. All right, Mel, we're, uh, thank you for that. We're now going to take the uh, hard left turn into uh, into some single serving questions here. And this is a completely different part of the show where we just ask you silly things. Um, and these are coming from uh, some of the Pockets Full of Soup audience. They sent these in on Twitter. So let's get a few of these. Uh, my friend Amanda McGuire says, my favorite AMA question is, what are you reading? Uh, which she likes because the answers always change. What are you reading now? Uh, I'm actually reading uh, a bunch of graphic novels right now, uh, mm -hmm. some spooky comics for Halloween season. Uh, I just finished one called Dark Arc, and I I loved it. It was uh, <laughs> it was kind of a uh, as horror, or maybe not horror, so much as like a uh, monster mash style mm -hmm. comedy where there's uh, it's the supposing of like during the Great Flood in Noah's Ark yeah. uh, with all the animals. Uh, a story that some may be familiar. Uh, that there some is, might have heard of this. Yes, this is possible. Uh, that there is also secretly a cryptid boat uh, sent by Lucifer and boarded with all the monsters of the world: werewolves, vampires, oh. uh, uh, unicorns, which were there by accident, actually. And like, there's that's a whole drama point on the boat of like who who got the unicorns on here, and the unicorns are like, we're not supposed to be here. <laughs> It was it was oh, it was very compelling, and I loved the art style. So I highly recommend Dark Arc if you want a good spooky monster comic to kick off October with. <laughs> I am reading the hell out of this. Uh, <laughs> you might like this it. Sounds <laughs> like this is my jam right here. I am. Um, yeah, I mean it's the zeitgeist right now. I, I'm still in the middle of uh, of um, 
uh, Midnight Mass, which I've been enjoying oh, a great deal. And uh, I cannot wait to get started. Yeah. Uh, well, no spoilers, folks. Don't run. We're not going to say a thing, but uh, mm-hmm. it's quite good. It's very thoughtful. Oh, excellent. I, uh, I absolutely loved the previous shows. <laughs> uh, Emily asks, what's the most memorable time you farted? <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Uh Gosh, I'll have to summon some memories I may have repressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the problem. I, I'm tr- I, the ones that I can remember, I'm not honest enough to share. That's <laughs> my, uh, I, I can think of some, but the, but there was always somebody else there. So I, uh, I don't know. There was definitely like, oh, there, the worst one is like you're at work and it's like a team stand up and everybody's standing around one computer oh. to like discuss the day's work and like, Oh my God. I let one slide once and it was, I was mortified. I was mortified. Did <laughs> everyone react? Like, did they back? <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, you, oh, you, you, you dealt it. I did. Oh yes, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I have no shame. That's, that's <laughs> cruel. He took it like a champ. He, he took, he took that on. He was just like, listen, a guy's got to do what a guy's got to do. I had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> I asks, what are you most passionate about? um i honestly honestly i think it's animals i think it's animals oh i love the animals all all of them every single one every single one yeah i uh so my wife is is highly allergic to common animal dander and so we've never been able to have a pet together um so i am a zoo walker Oh, uh, I, I mean, I, I get memberships wherever I go and that's just where I live when I'm off of work or at oh, uh, I love that. news and aquariums. I love animals. Animals make me happier than just about it. Actually, I, I'm a proud, uh, proud adopter of, uh, <gasps> of the giant anteater at the San Francisco zoo. So, oh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's excellent. <laughs> I love, I love that stuff. Like, oh, if I ever get like, if I ever, if, you know, the, if I ever become like Bezos level rich, I mean, obviously fix world hunger, stop the climate crisis, but then also open like a couple sanctuaries, maybe one for bison, maybe one yeah. for rhinos, a wolf sanctuary, perhaps oh, mm, give them some that. space to yeah, some, some space <laughs> to move around. Yeah. Because even in, you know, I, I grew up in Western North Carolina and spent a lot of time up in Carol- the mountains in Carolina oh, and Tennessee. So and beautiful. It is very beautiful, but you do have those areas where, you know, even, the encroachment of, of people as we continue to push in, you know, I, I once had a very close encounter with a bear that was very surprised to see oh. me. Uh, <laughs> so that was, he was, he was about eight feet away, but he was really chill. Um, yeah. He was really chill. I was like, what's up? Uh, <laughs> what's went up, off. buddy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is good because I surprised him and he surprised me. And uh, I'm oh. glad he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Ed asks, uh, what are your favorite like card games or tabletop games or fun experiences like that? You know, the magic Pokemon D&D world. What do you enjoy? Oh, well, I have consistently played Pokemon cards, cards for, for like 20 years. <laughs> I love Pokemon cards. Uh, but also recently, I'm not, I'm not uh, the kind of person that hugely seeks out tabletop games on my own. But I have a lot of friends who are like, super nerdy about it and they always share their favorites with me which is my favorite thing to experience is having somebody that loves a board game show you how to play a board game they get so excited um they do it's it's so cute i love it um and my most recent one i i was taught to play that i really loved is called train of thought uh and i played it with a couple friends over the weekend and basically like you get a card 
with uh, six words on it and they're numerical. You ask your, the players like to pick a number between one and six, then that's your word. And then you get another card with another six words and there's like a whole deck of them. And you have to say the first word or say the word that was picked uh, from the first card and then get to the word of the same number on the second card. Get the audience to say the word on the second card. Ooh, and it's really interesting. And you have to just try and like fun. train of thought, right? Like you have to <sighs> say, you can only say three words, including the word that was picked on the previous card. So you have to like try and string together sentences to get people to say words. Then you can pick from those words to try and get to the next one. So, you have so to it's try word association in the game. Oh, I yes. love this. Yes. Oh, What's it called again? Train of thought. I train highly of thought. recommend it. Yeah, Angie would love that. Oh, uh, wonderful. That. Okay, that's that's fantastic. Uh, Matt asks, red pill or blue pill? I feel like that's a loaded question. There's a lot of associations with, uh, with that. <laughs> um, I mean, if we're talking like I'm in the Matrix and Morpheus is standing in front of me and I am Neo, I take the red pill. I want to see these space aliens. I want to be a superhero. So yeah, I'll do I'll do that. But... Not, not in any of the pop culture sense of that. <laughs> okay, there we go. What uh, what food helps you when you feel depressed? Like an actually comforting comfort food. Mm. That's Chris S. Oh, that you know, there's a a pan fried stew my mom always used to make. Uh, we used to call it poverty stew because you can make it for under twenty dollars. <laughs> but uh, that was when we were impoverished. That was what we ate. But it was a uh, it's just potatoes, celery, hamburger meat, carrots. And then if you want to get fancy, get some onion and garlic in there, season the crap out of all of it. And then you just steam it in a pan with like a quarter cup of hot water and beef oxo cover for 20 minutes and it cooks it all the way through. And then the last five minutes, you add a bunch of frozen corn and salt it all up. And then you've got this delicious just pile of steaming vegetables and meat. And it's Yummy. the best. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, my, my, I didn't, you know, when I was a little kid, I didn't understand that um, we were not on the on the poverty line cusp, but we were never, we never had much money. And mm -hmm. some of that was because I thought everybody's dad worked three jobs. Like oh. you know, it, was, it was, you know, that kind of situation yeah. where, where mom and dad were really grinding um, and got lucky enough to, to be able to pull enough together that we were going to be all right eventually. But there was a hard time there for a while. And I remember my mom's famous Italian casserole, which was oh. really just like, um, like pasta covered in cheap ingredients and baked it was pretty much spaghetti but without the name and yeah. uh, and, uh, and i just thought everybody ate that like three times a week you know that was uh, <laughs> and and again i had i had it uh, better off than, than a lot of folks but there were there were some some leaner years there for the family and uh, but poverty stew i like that name let me ask you for that <laughs> recipe uh, later that sounds pretty good oh yeah absolutely it's uh it's really easy to make and which was perfect when i was like in college and straight out of college, you know, 19, 20 years old. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I can make this. So, and it's got a lot of vitamins and it's good for your, good for your brain. Good for your body. Excellent. I do look good for the brain. Good for the body. A couple <laughs> more here. We ask everybody this. Um, what is best sandwich? Best sandwich. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I might, I might get roasted for this, but I love a good, like just a, a classic grilled chicken sandwich. Like mm. I want, I want a nice piece of chicken breast, like grilled with lots of spices, maybe some, maybe some, uh, um, uh, oh, why am I blanking on it? Like, uh, Portuguese chicken, the mm. piri piri sauce. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, peri peri chicken sandwich and uh, like just get some. Well, my, my favorite sandwich ever is just peri peri chicken breast and a really crispy big Kaiser bun. But I also like a good club, like grilled chicken club with some. So you some like red them. Peppers and stuff. You like them both, but the pure one is just the chicken, the grilled bun. That's it. Ooh, lovely. I like that. That's a purest choice right there. I, I enjoy that. <laughs> I just want bread and chicken, you know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, some of the best sandwiches I've ever had are one ingredient, properly seasoned and properly cooked, and then good bread. I, oh. I, I absolutely understand. I have a, my favorite is a little more complex, but not much. Um, but we've talked about that in another episode. So the, <laughs> this is about me. And finally, the, the, the question that defines what kind of human being you are, cake or pie? Oh, pie. I knew you were good people. I knew you were good people. <laughs> excellent. Not even a competition. You have a, you have a, a, a pie or two you want to recommend? Oh, I mean, get, get you a nice key, key lime pie. Mm. Uh, get a nice little bit of uh, whipped cream on there. Maybe get a nice pumpkin pie for Halloween. Maybe get a nice cherry pie, uh, a nice strawberry rhubarb pie, a blueberry pie. You've Great taste. Great. Pie. Any of those oh, pies. Oh my gosh. I like you more every minute. Um, <laughs> Same, Jared. Friends, thank you so much for listening tonight. Uh, very, very kind of you to, to listen to the show and support us. Um, thank you for being here for Mel. Thank you for being here for me. Um, Mel, thank you for making me cry. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Delight. Uh, you know, anything you want to, anything you want to call out besides, of course, Stonefly? Uh, which uh, y'all should play. It really is just quite good. And, uh, and Mel made a good game and uh, y'all should play it. Uh, Cause it's, uh, it's just neat. Like, it's not quite like anything else. I, I really, in, in a very good way. And uh, it's got a good, I know you worked really hard on it. It's, it's got a, just a good bounce to it. The movement feels good. The combat feels good. The traversal feels good. I love it. Uh, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Like, those are honestly my favorite parts to work on. And a, a fun thing that like, oh, I didn't really talk about too much during production, but the Nature Boy Flaco, who did the soundtrack for the game, his music really like, really looks like the colors in the game. Like the oh. Nightlight Briar was just like, when he, when I first heard the song, I was talking to Adam about it. I was just like, I see some lime green. I see some yellow. I see some like some earthy tones in there, which was kind of already what he was doing. And then when I saw the assets, I was like, oh my God, it's perfect. Like, <laughs> so That's it's just, great. it felt so in sync. So I would love, if, if nothing else, just, oh, I would love for folks to check it out to kind of see like the correlation. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And uh, thanks. And again, folks, I'll be putting that art uh, on the, I'll put it on Twitter. I'll put it on the, on the Patreon channel. Um, but yeah, thank y'all. And uh, Mel, Thank you. I hope things uh, uh, go well with you there in the magical land of Canada. And, <laughs> thank you very um, much. Uh, thanks for sharing, friends. Uh, I'll see you again soon. We're recording another episode very soon, and I uh, hope you'll catch that. You can find Pockets Full of Soup on the Pockets Full of Soup channel. I also drop it on the Top 100 Games podcast channel on either place. All right.